I guess you would say I, I would say the tenacity I played with, though. You know, I think I, when I stepped on that court, I think everybody know knew I came to play, and uh, they was gonna have their hands full, regardless of. Uh, and I was I was willing to do whatever the team wanted me to do to win. All right, I want to know how much of that athleticism do you still have? You know what? I actually, uh, I actually still pretty athletic. Actually, you know, uh, I don't really try dunk anymore, but. Uh, you know, I can if I really wanted to, but uh, you know, uh, it definitely takes a lot, of, a lot more out of me now because <laughs> I'm uh, uh, a little older and a little heavier. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Outlook Podcast. I'm your host Lindsay Smith, and this week we've got three amazing guests joining us: Dan Marley, Sean Marion, and Charlie Scott. Now, when the Suns were playing in the bubble, Suns radio host John Bloom and I had the pleasure of chatting with these guys. And here are some of our favorite parts of those conversations. Let's get your thought on, on this bubble uh, and, and the group uh, that we've got going out there and, and the only undefeated team left in Orlando. Yeah, well, first of all, I think the NBA has done a terrific job of putting this together. I mean, watching on TV, it, it's, it's fantastic with the virtual fans and the uh, way the broadcasts are going. So they've done a really good job. The players have done a, a, a really good job as far as no tests coming back positive and uh, we've talked about the Suns having some urgency, and they've come out and, and put it all together. I haven't been really impressed uh, by everybody. Uh, mainly, uh, I think Devin Booker's been great. Uh, he is a superstar. There's no doubt in my mind about it, but he's really done a good job of getting everybody involved in the game, and then he takes over the game when when they need to score. But I've just been really impressed with the, the amount of, uh, of players that have stepped up, especially the young guys. Uh, you know, some of the teams that I were on earlier – uh, in my son's career, we had, you know, superstars like Charles and Kevin Johnson, but we also had great role players. And what I'm seeing here with this team is that we got some great role players, guys who are really filling into the position. They're getting better every day. How much, Dan, do you think that um, this group kind of coming together and having that unity is because of this bubble environment that they're in? I think it's huge to be around your teammates that much and, and not have a whole lot to do and spend time with each other and, you know, all kind of just hunker down and, and fight for one goal is something that I think is very important. And you can't express too much how much chemistry means to a really good team. And as I said, the teams that I used to play on back then, I think we were really talented. I know we were talented, but you know, the things that we were really good at is we really loved each other and had great chemistry. And I think uh, with them here in Orlando, they really developed that and have really uh, kind of pulled together to do the same thing. All right, Dan. So we have uh, our first fan question here. From Heber, he wants to know which current player reminds you of you as a player. Right now, it'd probably be uh, Mikael Bridges, uh, just because he's kind of one of those guys, as I said, a kind of a glue guy who, uh, as a young player, continues to get better. He's a hard worker. Uh, he's really the shot. He can guard a lot of different things on the floor. A very smart player. Uh, does the right plays. Um, plays hard every position. Rebounds. Uh, so I'm really uh, partial to guys that can do pretty much everything on the floor and really understands that the little things that, that he does helps the team win. Uh, we got a question from uh, Dontrell, looks like. He's asking you, uh, what do you think of Cam Johnson starting at the four spot, at the power forward? I love it. You know, there was a lot of criticism, uh, you know, drafting him that high. I think he's a lot more athletic than anybody thought. And as I said, he's one of those young guys, again, that uh, just goes out there and understands his roles, made some big shots, but more than that, just plays the right way. And uh, the biggest thing for him is, as you continue to watch, is he continues to get better uh, every game. And it's for young guys, uh, that's the key, is that you always have to get better and uh, continue on that path. And uh, if these young guys continue to do that, 
it should be an exciting, you know, next couple of years for the Suns. Jordan wants to know what advice would you give our current team to enhance their performance in the bubble? Well, just keep doing what they're doing and not get satisfied. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of things that you can't control in the bubble. The only thing you can control is how you play every night, whether you win or lose. But more importantly, is continue to build on that, that momentum. Um, I think the most important thing is even if we don't make the playoffs this year, which is a good possibility, even if the Suns continue to play really well because they have to jump some teams, is that they take this momentum that they've had here in the bubble and make sure that transfers into next year. So don't be satisfied and just build on it. And I think that has a lot to do with, with the young guys, and I would challenge uh, DeAndre Ayton, who's got the potential to be a superstar if he wants to be. He's got all the tools. He's got the size. He's got the athletic ability. He's got the skills. Uh, he's just got to play a little harder and have some little uh, intensity and some meanness to him, and that doesn't mean he's got to shoot the ball a ton, but just got to really pick it up. And I think if he does that, he really concentrates and, and buys into what they're trying to do and, and be the best big man that he ca can possibly be, which is going to be pretty good, then – uh, he's got the ability to be one of those guys that takes the Suns to the next level. All right, I got a question uh, from a fan. Let's uh, let's see. I think uh, it was comfort. Do you have a favorite game that you played in for the Phoenix Suns, Dan? Oh man, uh, you know, I people ask me all that time. I'd say probably, uh, you know, that whole that whole ninety two ninety three season was such a magical season and a playoff run from you know, being down 0-2 against the Lakers and hitting that uh, that little one-footed shot I did to send it in overtime in game five and then to, you know, make the eight three-pointers against Seattle in game five at home and then the triple overtime at Chicago. It's really hard to to, uh, to, to narrow down just one game. I would just capitalize it as, as, as in 1993, that was a dream season uh, to have the best record in the NBA. Uh, it's the year that Marley's downtown was open. Uh, the city was alive. Uh, played with Charles Barkley and some great guys, and that whole experience that year was was terrific. Uh, just to fall short, short obviously uh, in Game Six, but that whole experience is something that I've looked back on and and really cherish as part of my memories of being a son. But that that year was just it was a magical, magical year. All right, so Ashley wants to know if you were in this bubble environment as a player, what would you be doing to keep yourself entertained? That's real easy. I'd get up and I'd have scrambled eggs with cheese and, and, and a sausage. I would work out. And if we weren't playing or practicing, as soon as the game was over, I'd hit – I think they have a golf course there, don't they? Yeah. I'd be, yeah, I would, that, I would be teeing that thing up on number one and teeing it high and letting it fly. I'm a huge golf guy. I love golf. That's where I keep my sanity. It's where I do a lot of my thinking. So there's no question that I'd be out hitting the, hitting the links as much as I could and trying to take as much money – from my teammates or other guys on the other teams as I could. Wait, I, I got to follow up. Who have you taken the most money from? Which teammate have you taken the most money from on the golf course? Ah, oh, man, Joe Klein. You know, you know, people don't know this about Charles Barkley. They know about his swing now. But when Charles came to Phoenix, he was a legitimate 8-9 handicap. He was a really, really good player. Could really putt, could hit, didn't have that hitch in his swing. I was very fluid. Uh, I guess he went to Houston and got a lesson, and that guy kind of screwed him up. But uh, Charles, I played a lot. Danny and I played a lot. Danny uh, Ainge, uh, Joe Klein and I played a lot. So there was times that we'd go out and have some great battles. Danny Ainge is a great golfer, and we we used to go out and have a lot of fun, uh, you know, playing uh, rounds with Danny and, and, and Joe Klein and Charles. And then the last thing I have for you, The Matrix, Sean Marion is our next guest here on the second stream. So he was a Hustle Award winner in 2005. And I'm sure you guys are pretty familiar with each other. Tell me one thing about Sean that stands out to you. This is athleticism. I was, uh, I was, uh, 
I got to play with him my last year uh, in Phoenix and uh, just a crazy athlete. Great guy, uh, could score in bunches, you know, has that jump shot that, that nobody knows how it goes in, but it does. And he's a guy that just really uh, got everything out of his game. Um, really enjoyed playing with Sean and just his athleticism, quick jumper, second jumper, you know, got to the basket. Um, and just a really good guy. Really enjoyed my time with Sean with the practices and, and going through that, that that experience with him. So I was really proud of the way he kept on uh, getting better in his career and had a had a great career. So uh, very proud of Sean and what he's able to do. Suns fans, I think we can all agree that no one deserves to be bullied. And both kids and parents want schools and neighborhoods to be happy, safe places. And we can all work together to help stop bullying. And trust me, standing up to bullying is a lot easier than you think. Find out how at muststopbullying.org. Just had a chance to talk to Dan Marley right before you came on. We asked mm-hmm. him, you know, what, what stood out about the Matrix? And immediately, you know, he talks about the highlight real plays and the athleticism. Uh, when you think back uh, about your career, what stands out about the Matrix to the Matrix himself? Um... Yes, uh, I guess you would say I, I would say the tenacity I played with, though. You know, I think uh, when I stepped on that court, I think everybody know knew I came to play, and uh, they was gonna have their hands full, regardless of. Uh, and I was I was willing to do whatever the team wanted me to do to win. All right, I want to know how much of that athleticism do you still have? You know what? I actually, uh, <laughs> I actually still pretty athletic. Actually, you know, uh, I don't really try dunk anymore, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, I can if I really wanted to, but uh, you know, uh, it definitely takes a lot, of, a lot more out of me now because <laughs> I'm uh, uh, a little older and a little heavier. <laughs> uh, I resemble that remark. Uh, you know what? I think uh, we want to remind fans. You guys can ask Sean a question as well. Uh, so if you want, just go over to that Q and A button on the side, uh, type up your question, and we'll get to it. And we'll ask him uh, as many of them as we can. We got one from Isaiah here. Uh, he says, as a former player, what do you think is the biggest advantage of playing in a, a situation like this, the bubble? Um, the biggest advantage is, uh, you know, no travel. <laughs> That's one, um, you know, but, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think it's uh, everybody's on an equal playing field, though. There's no home court advantage, really, to per se, because uh, there's no fans there. But, you know, I think the, the video fans is, is kind of cool, too. And the atmosphere they create, like you, like you are at home, is kind of cool, too, with noise and and uh, the cheering and stuff is kind of dope, but it's not, it's not, it's not realistically, you know what I'm saying? So you, you can't really have inter- interaction with somebody on the sideline or, or whatever, you know, but for the most part, it's, uh, it's pretty kind of cool. But uh, I think uh, it's a great, it's a great chance for, for we can just see who, who's, who's, who, who's really truly the king of mountain without any, well, well, any um, help really. <laughs> John, tell us what you think about how this Suns team is playing right now. You know the Suns are playing really well in the bubble right now. They're the hottest team in the bubble right now. I think they're five and zero, right? Yeah, five and zero. Um, and uh, I mean, Devin is is leading the way. You know, they they got uh, they looking really good out there. I'm seeing some great things, and um, you know, you got I, I'm loving it. You know, I just I think uh, you know the mentality and the the consistency is there. They're showing they're showing some signs that. I wish they was able to sustain all year with the young group they have. But at the same time, though, I think, uh, you know, it's a learning curve. You know, I think with uh, even with Aiden been missing so many games early in the year, they really couldn't catch a groove. And then he, he came back and had to get in his groove and find a find a pace where where, where they all can, can mesh together because he wasn't able to play. 
and um, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a baby step process. You know, I think uh, with a new coach, new system, and, and, and new direction, I think uh, it's a slow process. It never, it, it doesn't, sometimes it happens overnight, but a lot of times it doesn't happen overnight, but especially in the NBA game. But uh, with that being said, though, you know, with additions of Ricky, I love Ricky Rubio. I think he's one of the I think he's one of the, the most solid point guards in the league. You know, he's a pass first, shoot second point guard. But, but you know, he don't get enough credit for the defense he plays. He actually guards his guy pretty well. You know, I think, uh, you know, we talk about how, how electrifying his passes are, but he he actually competes. You know, and, and he gonna, even though he, if he's outmatched by that other position, that the other, other guard on the floor, he, he's going he's gonna to try to match up to that guy and try to compete the best way he can. And I love that. You know, and you – and that's very rare these days, you know, for guys to play both ends of the floor. You know, a lot of guys these days are typically one in one-sided players. They just play – either they play offense or they don't play no offense. And, and defense ain't even thought about with a lot of these guys now. But but for the most part, though, that's that's the way it is. And, uh, you know, you got to uh, think about that. What is your craziest fan moment? Oh. What do you, what do you consider a crazy fan moment, though? Like – I mean, like, did you ever uh, interaction a, or, yeah. or even or, one? I think it could be virtual or an in-person interaction. Um, and it doesn't have to be negative. I mean, it could be like a really no, no, excited no, 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 no. fan who like yeah. passed out when they met you. Well, yeah. So this is interesting. So yeah. So I was doing a signing there in, in Phoenix. I, I forgot where I was at. Um, might have been one of the one of our our sponsors for for a chain that we had out there at the time. I don't know. I can't remember which one it was, but it was a it was a diehard fan. I mean, when she was like, I guess she came in, and she was literally just shaking, like you could see it. Everybody would see it. Like she was, it was it was pretty awesome. And um, you know, uh, she down there. I think she she down there passed out and fainted. And for it was it was pretty awesome. Like I was like, damn, like, are you fainting on me? I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> Much love and respect. I appreciate that, you know. And uh, you know, you know, one of the things I I I I try to pride myself in, you know, I think we wouldn't have an NBA league, if, period, if it wasn't for the fans, you know. And you know, I um I understand that. And I respect it because I am a fan of, of, of uh to a certain degree of, of the NBA as well, but as of, of other sports. And I know that feeling and that mindset when you support the team and you get behind the team with the city and the movement and everything else, and you you watching the ups and downs and I know uh, and I feel I feel the pain and the aches that a lot like sometimes teams and organizations go through when the same the same process of being a fan so I understand that mindset because I'm a Dara fan as well so um so I just want to say thank you though because the the appreciation is definitely there and uh, we we truly understand that you know like I said we would not have a we would have any sports if it wasn't for fans uh, you know what, I, I think uh, it's great to hear you say that. And uh, I think, it, you know, a lot of players, it, maybe it takes uh, getting your career in the books before you, you really get that true appreciation, right, uh, and have that, that understanding. Well, you know, it's funny you say that. I'll play with some guys. I'll, some guys, some people truly don't understand that, you know what I'm saying, because you know, I don't think they really take the time to really appreciate it. You know, it, I mean, some people I've, I've been around so many people that say things uh, but saying and doing is two different things you know what i'm saying so with that being said though like uh you know i've been truly blessed you know what i'm saying i take none of this for granted you know what i'm saying uh, and and uh i mean like you know everything happens for a reason you know and i i truly believe in that this fan question from lucy she wants to know where the name the nickname matrix came from lucy how old are you lucy <laughs> i'm guess i'm guessing maybe a little bit younger 
like, uh, uh, she got to be a lot younger. Because if you don't know where the Matrix came from now, you ain't going to never know. You know what I'm saying? You, you got to Google it, Lucy. Damn it. I'm just saying. No, but, uh, Some of but our no. fans are babies. No, you got to give them playing. a little. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. It's all love, Lucy. I'm just playing. But uh, Kenny Smith gave it to me in our first, my first ever preseason game in L.A. when he was, when he was playing a preseason tournament in the forum. And and uh, and has rolled with me ever since. You know what I'm saying? He gave it to me my first preseason game ever when we played it. Yeah, when we locked, laced them up in, pre, in, uh, in L.A. in preseason. Okay. That's nice. for you, Lucy. <laughs> You're welcome, Lucy. <laughs> Still one of the coolest nicknames in all sports, by the way. I mean, well, I just because I it, think it's the best. <laughs> no, I think you would, but also, you know, just because of uh, well, I think you know the explanation of it because uh, you were doing things we'd never seen before, just like that movie showed us things we'd never seen before in film. So, I think it fits. Yeah, appreciate that. A huge thank you to Dan and Sean for joining us. And before we hear from our next guest. Fans, I want to remind you all that muststopbullying.org is a website full of information on how to stop and prevent bullying in our communities. So head to muststopbullying.org to change the culture and help put an end to bullying. Now let's welcome in our final guest of the show, the one and only Charlie Scott. Hey, Charlie, take us through uh, just how your career went, because, uh, you know, you're from New York, I know, and, and I know you started before you came to the Suns. Uh, was it the ABA first with, with Virginia? Uh, and then you get to Phoenix. Uh, you had an amazing stretch of years here, uh, all-star appearances and success. But uh, what do you remember most about your time coming to the Valley to play for this team? Well, I mean, really, I mean, I mean, the thing that really excited me the most is that I got to play with my uh, 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 childhood hero because I got an opportunity to play with Connie Hawkins. You know, I'm from New York City, and Connie Hawkins was a phenomenal, you know, person from New York City. I've only heard of him before that time, and then I had the opportunity, the opportunity to play with him, and you know, that was a uh, that was a big thrill for me, and also the opportunity to. Uh, to get to know Jerry Colangelo, I think who's one of the uh, one of the greatest uh, people in basketball. Of course, he runs USA Basketball now, but I had the opportunity to say that you know that he was the individual who thought I was worth uh, uh, whatever the price was to make me a Phoenix Sun. So I mean, Jerry Colangelo, you know, was, was, is very important. I think it's very important to the uh, Suns uh, community, you know, and, and to Phoenix. So, but I mean, but. Uh, you know, my biggest thrill, I mean, had to be, you know, the opportunity to play with Connie Hawkins. All right, Charlie, so we've been talking about the Suns and just this bubble uh, environment they're in. If you were in a bubble back when you were playing, how would you have survived it? What would you have needed to keep yourself entertained? Music. First of all, I have to have my music. I have to have my If I have my music, then, then I'll, I'll, I'll be entertained. And, and, and of course, uh, if you're in a bubble, you have to have your music, uh, playing cards. We play a lot of cards at, you know, during that time. And then, you know, a good TV guide. <laughs> I, I think those three things, you know, will, will, will carry you through, you know, a bubble, you know. But first of all, I definitely have to have my music. Michael, one of our fans who's watching, wants to follow up on your bubble answer. He wants to know what kind of music you're into like favorite style and or band. So give us the lowdown on that. Oh, well, you know, um, 
my wife said I was a romantic. So I mean, I, I like, you know, I like, you know, I, I, I like soul from you. The people like the whispers and Smokey Robinson and the Temptations. You know, I'm from the '60s, so you know. I like the sm uh, smooth music, the whispers, and Luther Vandross, and you know, you know I'm a romantic type of guy. Well, hey, I'm sir. That's that's uh, my wife Sally. She's from Motown. You were hitting all the classics from Motor the Motor City right there. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people like that vibe. You're not the only romantic here, Charlie. Uh, but it's good that you're willing to admit it with us here on the Sun Second Screen. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, I, I, we're going to get to some more fan questions, but I have a question because I want to know how much you're able to stay in tune with the Phoenix Suns. You know, being on the other side of the country, maybe it's not as easy to see all the games or follow how they're doing, but how close of an eye do you keep on your former squad out here? Well, you know, I, I get to come out there a lot, you know, for the Suns. So, I mean, I get to see them a whole lot. And, and to be honest with you, you know, I'm a, a Devin Booker fan. I mean, I, I think, you know, he's one of the most graceful uh, uh, players I've ever seen, you know, play from a scoring position. You know, he, I mean, he, he, he doesn't waste any energy and uh, he's just so smooth. I'm a little jealous of him because, but I'm really, I'm really glad that he's doing what he's doing because every time he turns around, he's breaking the record that I have and to bring me back to notoriety. So, you know, uh, of course, he's my favorite player. I mean, but, uh, and then, of course, you know, I, I love Cam Johnson. He's a Tar Heel. What else can I say? You know, I, I'm going to go that way. But, um, you know, I, I enjoy watching them play. I, I, you know, they're a great team, and I just like watching them because they're young also. And, um they, they have opportunity to grow, and, and, and that's been the fun, watching them grow. All right, so I have to follow up on uh, Cam Johnson because you were here earlier in the year, and you had a meal with him at Mrs. White. And I believe at the very end of that meal, you said to Cam, hey, if you fail in this league, it's on you. It's not on your school. How do you no. think Cam is doing so far, living up to the name? Oh. <laughs> Well, you know what, though? I'm going to tell you what. I, I mean, first of all, I never believed he was going to fail. You know, I mean, Absolutely so, I, mean, that, I, I mean, that was, I mean, but jokingly, I said it. But, you know, I mean, I'm very proud of him. And I think uh, uh, Roy is very, I think everyone's very proud of him. First of all, I mean, let's face facts. Cam was drafted higher than anyone thought he should have been drafted at the particular time that he was drafted. And everybody thought the Phoenix Suns didn't know what they were doing. But, um, uh, uh, sometimes maturity, you know, shows in your game. And Cam showed that he was ready to play right away, being a four-year player in college. And and I think that he has surprised, you know, I mean, pleasantly surprised, I think even the Phoenix Hunt staff with, with, with his growth. And um, I'm just glad to see him doing what he's doing. That his performances have been overlooked for quite some time. But now in this bub bubble, and, and, and especially with the Suns winning, People are taking notice to how great a ball play he is and that his potential is really unlimited. I don't know what your relationship is like with Monty, but what do you think of Monty as the leader of the Suns team right now? Well, well he's the perfect person to coach the team. I mean, the experience he has, and, but not only that, I, I think the players are able to relate to him. And, and, and that's the most important thing. I mean, they relate to him and they can relate to how he feel about them. I, I think the emphasis that he put on them that really will make them a strong team is the togetherness, is that you know that, you know, that no one's going to succeed individually. And I think that he also 
has a way of making players feel important who might not feel important at a certain time. When you talk about the second string guys and the guys who come in, to let those guys know that their what their contribution was is, is, is very important. I played for a, 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 a general manager one time that was very good at psychology, and, and he was like Mon and Monty's a lot like him. I remember he told a story one time where he was showing us a film of me making a jump shot. But what he didn't emphasize was the fact of me making the jump shot. He emphasized the fact of the guy who was setting the pick and said how important it was for this guy to set the pick, to make the person who's not always the one scoring feel important. I think in hearing Monty talk, he make the guys who are not the Devin Bookers and, and the Aidens feel just as important as or what their role is on the team. And, and, and that's very important to keep the team cohesiveness together. They bring the double at Booker. Book. On the spin, fires for the win! Got it! <laughs> what do you think the ceiling is for this young man? I mean, <laughs> the ceiling is uh, uh, how long he plays. I mean, you know, he has unlimited potential, first of all. You know, like I said, he, he, he can score from any position. And the most important thing is that, uh, different than some other players, he's very efficient in his scoring. It doesn't take him... 20 seconds to get a shot off. So, you know, he's very efficient. He keeps the other players involved. And when you have someone like that, you know, he's a joy to play with because even though he's doing the scoring, when he's not scoring, he's taking enough attention that he give other players ability to make easy basket or get in good scoring position. So, I mean, I mean, he's the perfect guy to play with. You know, I mean, he's, I mean, he's a great basketball player. I think that the bubble has really given him opportunity to really show the uh, other of uh, the rest of the NBA what kind of player he is because too many times you, you get lost in the record of the team rather than looking at the individual performance of the player. And I think that his performances have been overlooked for quite some time, but now in this bub bubble and, and, and especially with the Suns winning, people are taking notice to how great a ball play he is and that his potential is really unlimited. I want to get your thoughts and opinions on how the NBA is allowing players to continue the conversation of social justice and Black Lives Matter throughout this bubble experience. Well, you know, I, I think the NBA has always been the forefront of, of, of social justice. You know, and I think they're doing a, 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 a great job. You, you got a sport that's majorly a black, so I think that it's very good that you listen to what they have to say. You know, I, I, as a black man, a lot of the experience that people have gone through, I mean, I have gone through in my life, so I know that they do exist. But And I do know that there are good people on both sides, but the thing about it is that we have to recognize that there are social injustices. And then once we recognize it and accept that fact, then we can remedy it. And I think that the NBA is doing a great job. I think, you know, I think the NBA had great leadership in guys like Chris Paul and LeBron James. And, and I think that, you know, I'm proud to be a member of the NBA and to know that, you know, they're in the forefront of leading this. Because, I mean, the only thing that's going to lead for lead us into is a better society and, 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 a, and a better place to be. And, and, and that's, what, that's what we should be all striving for. Absolutely, Charlie. I mean, 
So we actually have a fan question here for you that is kind of along the lines of just your experience with social justice and with fighting for change. So Michael wants to know if you ever look back and recognize the importance of yourself within the landscape of college and pro basketball, because I know your college experience was very unique. You were the first African-American scholarship athlete to play at UNC. Well, yes. And, and in fact, I was the first scholarship athlete in the South. I mean, in the whole South. So, I mean, yes. And, 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 and it was a, uh, it, it was a different experience, but you know, um, it's experience that I'm proud that I had the opportunity to uh, make a contribution. You know, I mean, it, I mean, I was brought up during the civil rights eras in the 60s and responsibility is one thing that I learned was very important. And I had the opportunity to make a difference and, and had a coach that was willing to take the chance to uh, uh, change society. And, and, and I've been very fortunate to, you know, that I was able to do uh, and be successful in that, you know. Uh, but I, again, I had great mentors that, you know, led me down that path and helped me in that direction. And, and um, I'm just glad to be able to say that, you know, I, I had a, a small imprint on uh, some of the changes that have been made in college athletics, especially at the University of North Carolina. Charlie, once again, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. Stay safe and healthy and go Suns. Go Suns, thank you very much.